Um, that was a terrible summary, but you get the gist. <laughs> right. If you've read it, you've read it, so you know. <laughs> so you know. Um, I think that's going to be a common theme in this podcast. Uh, summaries are not going to be great, but right. <laughs> we're going to try our best. <laughs> Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident romance expert, Sierra Marshall. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come back later. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in the conversation. At the end of each month, I will be outlining the books that we will be reviewing for the next month so that you can read them with us. So whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but I really hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. Now, without further ado, let's pull some corks and get to reading. This week, we read Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore. Uh, to the Red Wine Reads podcast. We're so excited to have you. (laughs) Um, I did bring a little uh, glass of wine with me because I felt like it was just appropriate for the book that we were reading. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a little hot in here. A little steamy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A little hot and steamy. (laughs) And perfect time to have some wine. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I'm going to start by giving like a few just quick facts about the book just to give our listeners some background on our book before we get started. Uh, So the book we are reviewing today is called Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore. So this book was published in 2021 um, and is the third book in the uh, series A League of Extraordinary Women. And so Dunmore originally sold uh, the first book of this series you know, thinking it would be kind of a one-and-done romance novel. She just wanted to do it for fun. Uh, but then Penguin Random House uh, you know, was in love with the book, loved how critics were reacting and how readers were just, you know, lapping it all up, loved it. So then she ended up signing a three-book deal with them. So now, um, so this is the third book, and then those three books did so well that now she has two more books with them. So <laughs> Very exciting. I know. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> um, so after, you know, after she wrote the first book, she said um, she had introduced the character, Hattie, um, one of the main characters of the book, into the series right off the bat in the first book, Bringing Down the Duke. And she said that she really, really wanted to write an, you know, write the second book that was focusing on Hattie, but really didn't know where to start. And then she wrote the book, the second book, Rogue of One's Own, and um, that kind of just came together. And then she finally, you know, gets to write Hattie, which is her favorite character of the book, is what she said. So that's just a little background. So this book is following Hattie's love story with uh, her love interest. When I was trying to pick out the characters, I realized that, you know, it's a romance novel, so there really are the two main characters. Right, Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, we'll just stick it with those, too, because uh, the other characters are, you know, sideline characters. I don't think have much impact on the story, unless you think otherwise. Um, I'd say, no, I would 
just say those two are really our main focus um, throughout the story. There's not really any side characters going on as much. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, you kind of have Lucy make an appearance, but she was the main character in the second book, so it makes sense. Um, so anyways, we have our two main characters. We have Harriet, um, a.k.a. Hattie Greenfield. She is our main female protagonist, you know, the POV from which half of the book is written. She's this young, you know, rich aristocrat, uh, daughter of an investment banker. Is that right? So she's super, you know, she's super smart, but she wants to go to school for... Uh, painting and art and then she ends up finding a love for photography later on in the book as well so she's very artistic which is very not like her uh, the rest of her family who's more you know analytical business mind business minded people and so she falls in love with uh is it lucian i think i would say that's how i would pronounce it lucian okay um well we're gonna pronounce it lucian if (laughs) if we got it wrong we're sorry right so sorry (laughs) So sorry. Um, So Lucian Blackstone, he is our uh, main male protagonist, and he is the other POV from which the story is told from. And he is, you know, this rich, kind of eerie, dark man who has made his money in mysterious ways. They end up falling in love, and then, you know, hijinks ensue. So yeah, that (laughs) as it always does, (laughs) like it always does in romance novels. You know, kind of a quick. I'll try to do my best at a quick little summary. Uh, (laughs) So we pretty much open with, you know, Hattie wants to go to uh, Lucian's house because he has this really rare painting. And so she goes there. He thinks that she is um, a woman of the night, so to say, (laughs) and pushes her up against a bookshelf and kisses her. And she is like, what? That was not what I came here for. Hattie, you know, goes back home, ends up having... A party where they invite Lucian because his dad wants to talk with him. They get caught face to face behind this two-way mirror and then um, <laughs> Lucian's hand is forced to marry her because back in that day that is very very bad. Uh, and so they get married and they end up going, is it the Highlands? Um, they're in the no, Lowlands they, at first. Um, lowlands at in first. Scotland um, and you know there he he's a he's working in a well he has investments I believe in a mine there and um you know working there and then then, they're you know living their newlywed life where they both hate each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I mean at the time um because it was such taboo behavior to just even seen in the same room as a man without a chaperone you know kissing one was way out of line (laughs) So she has been forced to marry a man that she never had any intention on being with in the first place. You know, they're very sexually attracted to each other, but they aren't, you know, Hattie thinks he's this dark soul who's mean and just not a nice guy. And then he thinks that Hattie's this spoiled little brat um, who only thinks of herself. And so they're just clashing this whole time until finally... They come together uh, (laughs) in more ways than one, (laughs) in more ways than one, Uh, (laughs) and finally, you know, consummate the marriage in one fact, but they also just, you know, connect on an emotional level, finally. Um, Find some common ground and learn about each other's um, 
dreams and goals and find that they're very similar in a lot of aspects of their life. You know, there's an accident at the mine. Lucian has a lot of baggage from his past, and that comes to the forefront. And we won't get into too much detail, but Hattie gets really angry with Lucian because she thinks that he has had a hand in killing a man, you know, from an emotionally, you know, manipulative standpoint. Um, And so they end up splitting up for a little bit. Uh, Hattie runs away back to England. Is that where they are? And then uh, Lucian's right-hand man is is in a pretty, pretty rough spot with a gambling problem. And so he threatens to steal Hattie away with him because she finds him um, rifling through all of Lucian's stuff and is going to steal from him. And then a crazy, you know, fight ensues um, where Lucian comes home. He beats up this, you know, his right-hand man. Uh, Just craziness. (laughs) And uh, And then Hattie ends up going to Europe to uh, teach because that's always what she wanted to do so she and Lucian again split up for a time and then he comes and finds her in Europe and then they live happily ever after yeah hopefully (laughs) as far as we know (laughs) (laughs) as far as we know um that was a terrible summary but you get the gist (laughs) if you've read it you've read it so you know (laughs) so you know um I think that's going to be a common theme in this podcast uh summaries are not going to be great but right (laughs) we're going to try our best (laughs) I thought it was good. I mean, that's how I'd summarize it as well. Okay. Great. So let's start off with things that we liked. Sarah, Um, what did you you like about this book? I mean, there are several things. I do like that it does talk about a lot of women's issues. I mean, while um, they were women's issues in the past, I still think um, knowing our history, knowing how women lived back then and how far we've come and yet still acknowledging how far we still have to go. I really enjoyed that. Of course, I enjoyed the romance of it all. Um, I'm a unashamed um, romance reader slash if you give me smut, I'm happy. Um, I'll just put that out there. Um, hey, as many women I call are. You, I mean. I'll tell you our romance expert, so I call you that for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable reading and um, you know, it also talks a lot about um, some political issues that we are even facing today. And I think it's really important that this author being in like, this is like a feminist writing, having those issues also brought to the table, along with it being like a really lovely, fun story. Mm. I couldn't. Yeah, you literally touched on every single bullet I had there. Um, <laughs> I said, I, I, you know, I love the, you know, the strong powerhouse female lead that each of these book is, books surrounds. Um, and I love that. And I love, you know, the feminist approach to this kind of traditionally not feminist era. <laughs> it, it's cool with this book, especially too, that Hattie isn't as much at the forefront of this like feminist cause per se. Um, And so it kind of shows, you know, you can have someone like Lucy who's literally leading this movement, but you can also have Hattie who's doing it in a different way of, you know, you know, she's sharing her photos that she takes of these impoverished communities and this is how she spreads awareness. This is how she fights for her rights. It's, it just looks different for everyone. Um, I did say I love the sexy scenes, of course. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You have to. Right. (laughs) I, honestly, the 
these books, like this whole series was kind of the first taste that I've had of romance because I always thought they were, I don't know, just like cheesy, kind of the ones you pick up at the grocery store. Um, (laughs) And nobody in my family had really read romance either. And so this was my first taste. And I don't think it's like full-fledged romance because you do like you said they do touch on different issues and they do kind of have different storylines in there coming from a romance novice here if you're looking for a good series to kind of dip your toe into the romance kind of world I think this is a good yeah I I would definitely agree um I know like romance often gets a bad rap as you said like people only think of those really cringy cheesy book covers and um I think we've come a long way and I even like as of recently within this past year I think people have really made headway and like saying hey like it's not that bad we actually have some really good writers here um her being one of them I think um just being able to see like you said with Hattie and how feminism looks different for everyone I think that plays a lot into the romance and how the romance genre in general. Um, I think with these, it kind of proves the point that it doesn't have to be this cheesy, generic kind of romance. I mean, you do get a little bit of that as you would. There are always going to be tropes. There are always going to be things that these authors know that their audience wants. But I think it's important to say, like, we can touch on really, really important issues that affect women especially if that's your main demographic and so they don't have to feel guilty about reading something that I think a lot of people also have um, thoughts about it being like somewhat of a sexist kind of book or type of genre to read Mm -hmm. oh yeah no I could not agree more and I think I think what makes her what makes Evie's books especially um special is like the amount of research that she does to before even like writing these books is is you can definitely tell you know even just the wording everyone uses even just like the way they talk to each other it's not it's not completely like old English but it's not completely you know modern language as well so I think it it's enough to kind of put you into their world but not make you like be like what did they just say (laughs) yeah I think when I I haven't completely read any of Jane Austen's novels um I've gone over a few of them but um just knowing I've I started to read Pride and Prejudice and a lot of times like dipping your toe into that world since it's written quite a long time ago following is quite difficult and I know that does have to do with the type of writing she does and you know her voice in books is going to be different than someone else's, but I think it does a good, this book does a good enough job at immersing you without overwhelming, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was really important too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think they even like reference Jane Austen in this book. So that's how, that's how old it is. (laughs) So let's, you know, get into, we, we talk about what we like, we hype it up. Let's talk about the things we did not like. You can, you can start off. Man, I liked most of it, like, generally overall. Um, There were some, you know, just the fact that I feel like 
And this has nothing to do necessarily with her writing with what she's written, but as someone like getting mad at characters. I mean, definitely I do. I get fully immersed in this and then I start getting mad at characters and just kind of seeing how they kind of betray their own actions sometimes. You can you can't kind of help but get mad a little bit. Uh, especially when you're dealing with such type of subject matter as feminism and being a feminist and what does that mean for everyone else and I think this book did a really good job at like making you angry at certain situations and then also making you really happy with other situations but at the end of the day you're kind of like this is in your mind like an individual and these are their decisions that they make no yeah I I agree I think that was my one complaint or my big complaint was I I wasn't particularly a fan of Hattie. I think she was she felt like a very stuck up kind of snob um, for the majority of the book. Like there were very small glimpses of like oh she could be a, could like her maybe, and then she would do something like you know the you know Lord Rutland's death and like she just like up and left and I was like I feel like that was an overreaction. And I get it. Like, she's young. She's probably, what, in her early 20s? Yeah, I would say so. Late teens, if that's, Mm -hmm. like, you know. That's the age they got married at, so, yeah. Yeah. I think she she just came off to me as a little, you know, pretentious and a little – it just was difficult to, like, root for her. Right. And I was kind of of like, Lucian, you can do better. Um, Right. (laughs) Because I think I think his character was so complex and his, you know, history as that started started to like, you know, unfurl, it just kept getting more complex. And like he became this character that had, you know, all these motives, you know, to do wrong. Yet he was kind of choosing the path. You know, I I actually want to like help people. And I think his character was super interesting. But then like Hattie wasn't super developed to me enough for me to like like her (laughs) I mean I definitely think she got more developed as time went on and there's a particular part um where she's talking to her friend and she's like I didn't realize how blind to this movement of you know voting rights and being your own woman that I was I thought I was doing all these things and then come to realize like (laughs) I am not (laughs) And I think it was really great to see, I think it was Lucy say like, hey, we all come from this different, different backgrounds. You can't like beat yourself up for not having had these experiences that life has sheltered you from these experiences. But also it's great that you finally acknowledge that you have been sheltered from all these things. And I think that's a real conversation that we can have in our own lives that like I have not experienced the same as I mean, any other woman in this, in this world, any other person for that matter. And I think it's really good to have a book that like really points that out. Like you don't know, you don't know anything about other people sometimes. And you might think, you know, but you have no clue. And I think that even played in when they were, when she was going through the town and asking a lot of the miners' wives, what they think of certain things and how she wants to kind of impose this type of feminism onto them, but that doesn't necessarily work for their lifestyle. I would also agree with like what you said about Lucian. I I mean, I think we always root for the underdog is the thing. And he seems like he has always been the underdog, a self-made man. He has come from like the lowest of the low, like living on the streets. And we just see this young 
woman who kind of comes at him with no understanding, only what she's had in her mind, and makes these rash judgments about him without knowing him, even though she herself acknowledged when they were first thinking about getting married that she doesn't know anything about him. I did want to ask you about the ending. So what are your thoughts on her leaving just straight up scooting over to uh, Europe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think... I think it's something she had to do. Um, You know, she had been forced into this marriage. She didn't want in the first place. I mean, honestly, she had, I mean, if she had a choice, I think genuinely as a woman, I think she would have just chosen not to ever have gotten married. I mean, I know that's what was expected of her. Um, I think there, there weren't those society, societal pressures on her to, um, be a married woman to do this, that, or whatever they want her to do with her life, other people who are in control, I think she would have just wanted to leave and study art and really get to know herself as an individual, really get to know what her, what she's capable of, what her mind is capable of. I think this was a necessary journey, um, being married and like learning all this about him, learning things about herself that she never knew growing as an artist when she was working in the mining community. But I think her going off on her own and really like saying to him, like, Hey, I love you, but I can't love you to my full capacity when this was never a choice for me. This was like something that was forced on me. And I think that's in a way, I think that's one of the most mature decisions that she probably made throughout the book was saying, I can't fully love you, maybe eventually, but I can't do that right now because I don't know myself. This wasn't a choice for me, and I need to like make my own way in the world, and then maybe eventually someday we'll be together again. And it worked in her favor. Okay. No, that's so good because I was really frustrated with it when I first read it mm-hmm. because I was like, you you know, this man literally saved your life. Right. Um, you would think like that would be the eye-opening experience that you would right. need to be like, oh, I want to be with this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I see where you're coming from like that, pointing out, you know, this is, this is a journey she had to take. Like it is, you know, you have to separate yourself and find yourself before you even get into a relationship and that's always kind of that first step you know even in today's modern dating world you're always like looking to be you know very confident with yourself very confident with your with how you feel about yourself where the direction of your life is going in order to start dating and then you kind of try to find someone that will help that'll help you know you achieve those goals instead of kind of deterring you in a way and I do that's tough because I really hated it I was frustrated because I was like that's just like it seems unnecessary like why would you need to do that like when you can probably just go to school and like do do this you know you know with him or just have him come with you like that that was kind of my frustration where I was like just invite him along on the adventure but all the points that you touched on it's like Okay, I get it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've known so many people in my life who have just, like, jumped into a relationship without fixing themselves first, and they have the same outcome, you know, in every relationship. And obviously it's not the same in this context, but I think she really needed to do some self-healing, some, like, looking to herself and saying, what makes me happy? Can those things be achieved in a partnership? 
but I think also the fact that it was eventually her choice to go back into that partnership and saying like all those things I really liked about him still exist they never went away it's just now it's my choice to be with him rather than a forced hand you know mm-hmm. yeah and I get that and I think I think my frustration was like it, it did feel like that choice was taken away from her very early on when she had fled the mining community and she had gone back to England and then you know Lucian showing up and kind of saving her life it almost felt like that was the moment that she chose to be with him and so when she left it was almost another like I thought I thought we worked this out <laughs> and so I think that's what like tripped me up but it is you know if she was my you know gal pal I would I would be like yeah go to Europe yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah leave him I mean yeah you didn't have a choice um yeah I mean I definitely thought that too because I mean it goes back to like he gave her that necklace and she wanted to wear that necklace she wanted to have him with her in so many ways um and she did after that she was like going back to him like pretty much like saying hey this is what I want but I think it's I think what she wanted it was what she wanted for the circumstance it sucks but this was how it was back then he truly gave her the choice of like, you know, if this is something you want to do, I will respect that choice. And I think the thing that makes him such a good character is throughout the book, whereas she hasn't had a choice in much being a woman in that time, like being forced into a marriage, being forced to dress a certain way by her mother not being able to eat certain foods by her mother, you know, he did give her a lot of choices in their marriage. And I mean, that's one of the things that makes him such a great character, in my opinion, is because I think as women, we always, we never want to feel cornered. We never want to feel like you have to do this. Like when you're in a relationship, that's kind of one of the red flags, you know, is if he's forcing you to do this, like, hey, you can't wear that. Go change you know, you are your own individual person. And I think he really did a good job of recognizing that she was her own person and giving her choices. Like back then, a man could have forced himself onto his wife to consummate a marriage. That was definitely allowed. Um, And no one would have, everyone would have turned a blind eye to it. They did not care. So him not, him not, as much as it's like the bar is on the floor, with that, you know, him not is is saying a lot to his character and saying, like, I'll never touch you until you want me to touch you. And I will never be that person who's going to force his wife to do something. I think in it, and it has a lot to do that he wasn't raised into that environment, that high aristocracy and being someone who d- hasn't had anything and hasn't had a choice in a lot of his life. And just making sure as an individual, as a person, I feel like he gives that choice to nearly everyone he encounters and he wants them to be able to have choices. And I think that's one of the many reasons why he went on and told the miners to form a union. Yeah, no, that's so true. And like, I think, I think also like his background coming from a place where women are almost seen as equals because they're working in the mines, just like the men you know, they're, they're right there with him. I, I jotted down this quote cause I thought it was so, I thought it was honestly like applying to today as well, where 
They said it seems that labor, once it crosses the door into a home, is magically transformed into a priceless act of love or female duty. Meanwhile, women's hands are raw from very real chores. This idea of, you know, the women working and then they come home and then they're doing, you know, they're making dinner, they're washing the clothes, they're making sure the toys are picked up, they're making sure the the kids have their homework done. Like it's, and it is kind of, you know, shifting to a little bit more of like the co-parenting, you know, taking, taking chores, but that like very real aspect of like, even, even though the woman is going to work, like she still has another full-time job as soon as she gets home. And so I think, I think with Lucian, you know, growing up in a household with a sister, with a mom that were both in the mines, died working, that has to, like, linger. And it has to be, like, I don't want to, I don't want her to, like, I don't want Hattie to have to work in in an era when women shouldn't be working. And I want her to be able to do the things that she loves. And I think that poured over into letting her go to Europe. I mean, you're like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, nice. Well, and then, like, you know. I really like that his character wasn't even like with touching with the labor and everything like coming going and doing work or even being a stay-at-home mom I think um, in many people's cases that emotional labor also plays into a part and I think he did a really good job of not letting her be the only one to put in emotional labor and saying like hey we're gonna work on this um, do you know because she could have been the one to say like at the beginning she was very gung-ho for like working on the emotional aspect of their marriage it seemed you know she asked questions she wanted to get to know him she they had that lovely dinner together and then you know she saw him with another woman which was her his friend and kind of blew up about that but then he was like we need this for our marriage we're going away to Scotland and we're going to work on things and he never as much as it was you know never a forced thing he was always reaching out a hand I feel like he never stopped reaching out a hand for her yeah no that's so true I think I think that exactly what you said is kind of another reason why I was frustrated with Hattie is Lucian was always making it better he was always like reaching out that hand so to say always trying to mend the gap and I felt like with Hattie it was a very quick like no I like something happens I'm out right um I I she ran away twice or three times I guess (laughs) um (laughs) and so I get it like it's kind of like that hot-headed you know Mm -hmm. that's just who she is yeah but it was just like oh my god just like stay two more minutes and talk to him and then you'll right. get the backstory <laughs> yeah and even even when he admitted I mean she was like okay so she was a friend but I'm still mad <laughs> like, yeah you're okay. like oh god she is like one of those characters that you're kind of like oh wow okay but I mean I feel like we all know someone like her mm-hmm. maybe we at times we have all been her <laughs> yes so I think in that way, she's very relatable. I think um, this author does a really great job at making her characters really, I mean, relatable, but also making them full three-dimensional characters. I feel like every character was pretty well-rounded, and we could get that scope into their lives and really feel what they're feeling and have that sense of understanding because we have all felt that way. We've all felt like the underdog. We all felt like we've 
worked really hard for things. We probably have all felt um, like, like we are stupid because someone else has told us that our ideas are silly or that, I mean, especially for women, I'm sure that we feel sometimes less than because some man decides to say what we like is frivolous, including like reading romance or, you know, I think it's so funny a lot of times things like reading romance or liking certain things will be shrugged off when a lot of guys do the exact same thing. They like football with like such a passion or, you know, they like a certain band with all this, the same amount of passion as a woman likes, I don't know, the color pink. Why is that? Why is that so wrong? (laughs) Evie Dunmore wanted to center all of her books around this, you know, movement. And like, she talks about that and she's like, I wanted to, you know, write about a time where women didn't have the right to vote. They didn't have the right to, you know, have the job they want. They didn't have the right to go to school if they weren't, you know, given special permissions. And so she's like, this is like the central theme of these books. Yes, they are romance. Yes, they're supposed to be, you know, a guy falls in love with a girl, you know, they live happily ever after or whatever. But it's also supposed to be something deeper. You know, you have the romance side. You have this Women's Suffrage Act. You have, you know... You have these strong female leads. You have them meeting, discuss what they're going to do to ch- like to change. You have them going to school. And so it's just so interesting to see. I just think that complexity just makes these books that much better. Yeah, I mean, it's very true to real life. I mean, even today, um, you know, the way that women aren't strictly like a sexual being, aren't strictly a feminist only. They have this depth to them as as a person, we get to see, like, Hattie goes to college, she really is passionate about art, she ends up being passionate about photography, she is passionate about, um, you know, the women's suffrage movement, Um, she's also, you know, a sexual being, and she realizes that, and says, like, sometimes you do hate someone, but you also really want them, (laughs) and then sometimes you find out that people that you've misjudged people and that they are actually a good person, even though you started off hating someone. There are all these like things that she has in her life that make her a well-rounded individual that make her so much more relatable. Yeah. And I think, you you know, my last point, this, you touched on the bringing, you know, this, this idea of, you know, female like sexuality, but also being in touch with like, what you want sexually has never been at the forefront of our cultural conversation. It's always taboo. You like even like me getting, you know, red in the face if you even talk about it. Like it's so funny, but it's like, this is a very real thing. And I think romance novels kind of help that. And I think that they're being so popular now, it's bringing that conversation now to the forefront. Even like, I think for a long time, it was women being sexualized it wasn't a woman's choice of how she wants to feel sexualized, if that makes sense. Like, it's never been really about, like, how does she feel? Is she a sexual... Like, it's always been one or the other. Like, she's overly sexualized or she's overly sexual or she's not sexual at all. There's, like, the Madonna whore complex kind of playing in of, like, guys thinking that she's either a whore or she is a prude. (laughs) And there's such a spectrum between that of, like, I can be a sexual being, I can 
also be quote unquote like a good person or I can be (laughs) you know what I mean like I can I can like sex but I can also um you know just be like a normal girl who has like a heart and feelings and a mind and you know can still be that good like girlfriend or whatever you know what I mean like they're oh my gosh it's not one or the other it's a whole thing (laughs) it's the whole package (laughs) right (laughs) well and I think that's so fun that like even with with her book like even with like Evie's books Evie Dunmore's books you know she she really kind of puts the emphasis almost on like female pleasure where like the male characters are always kind of almost like serving these women in the bed for like a good portion of it and you're like that doesn't get shown very often (laughs) no but I think that's a reality in a lot of people's Mm -hmm. relationships and should be um like both sides should be getting pleasure from this act it should be fun for both members involved um and I think it's really important that we show that um a man can give pleasure without asking anything in return and a woman could give pleasure without asking for anything in return or you know two people can come together and have a lot of fun together yes (laughs) no absolutely I completely agree um well that's a fun note to end on let's end on that um (laughs) if you were to give this book a final rating out of five stars five being blown away best book I've ever read one being (laughs) cannot believe I picked up this book what would you give it I think on my good reason I do have a good read so you guys want to check it out go (laughs) follower I have I think I put it at four stars it's really really great um I rate I'm not gonna lie to you I rate most of my books at around four stars to three and a half um just because I do save my five stars for something I really really like absolutely love this best book I've ever read um, not to say that this was, I mean, this was an amazing book. I would even go as far as to give it like four and a half. Um, I mean, I feel like we could do a second one of these. There are topics we didn't even talk about, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the socioeconomical kind of aspect of the book. I enjoyed the feminism. I enjoyed the women centered empowerment, all of it. I really enjoyed. And I would say if you're dipping your toes, like you said, into the, um, romance genre, this might be something that you would say, hey, I really want to read that. That sounds really good. Um, so I definitely, I liked the writing style as well. I really liked that it alluded to um, some other really famous um, novelists. And I would, yeah, give it a four, four and a half stars. Nice. I think, you? I think for me, I have to give it a three and a half. Um, only because I read this review and I think this pretty much touches on my like the way I felt about this book and this this author wrote um Evie Dunmore writes emotional riveting and engaging stories it took a while for me to start enjoying this book because it started out a little slow but once it picked up I was loving it unfortunately the last few chapters ruined the book for me for me it wasn't (laughs) yeah for me it wasn't ruined I think that's a tough word um but it did kind of lose me at the end um but I and I do think like the middle section was really 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 good. Um, the beginning was a bit slow for me as well. And out of the three books, I would say it is my least favorite out of the three. It's still a great book, and it touches on you know all the issues that we touched on today plus fifteen billion more. 
Um, and it's a good book and it's a good read. And like, I don't think you should skip out on it. Um, in any means, like, I think you read the whole series and I think you get a good idea for who Hattie is and, you know, her relationship. And I think it's, it's good. Um, I wouldn't say it like blew me away, which is why it's kind of lower on my scale, but you know, I, it wasn't for me, but it could be for other people. So (laughs) I would definitely say like out of all the romance I've read, it's not like the most romantic or like one that I would say this is the best romance I've ever read or you know there's definitely some aspects that I could I would say like yeah like I really genuinely enjoyed reading it um I would suggest other people read it but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like my end-all be-all for romance (laughs) yeah that's a great way to put it (laughs) I like to end our show with with a segment um I call pairings And so this is where my guest and I will pick TV shows, movies, or other books that might pair well with today's book. For a movie, of course, Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Uh, You could also do the book there, too. Um, And then my TV show was Bridgerton, which I feel like is kind of an easy one. But they do have virtually the same premise where, you know, um, they're forced into a marriage, but it ends up being great. So Right. Yeah, I have um, To Love and to Loathe would be a really good uh, romance novel that um, I think would really pair well with this. I do believe there is a book before this one. However, I haven't read it, which is so funny. It ends up being a theme. (laughs) I read like the second or third of these books. But um, yeah, To Love and to Loathe um, would be a good one. I would also say uh, book-wise... just because this did, I, I talked to you about this. Um, it seems very like Persephone and Hades, and it does allude to that in a lot of the book. Um, a Touch of Darkness, that series, is really, really great. It's a romance novel. Um, there's multiple books. It is a Persephone and Hades retelling. Um, I really like that. So I would suggest those two as books. Um, let me see. Movie. Um, I think why not play into like if I mean it's not necessarily like educating yourself <laughs> as in the book but um, you know Wuthering Heights there's a version with um, I know it's not exactly exactly like the book um, but there's a version with um, Tom Harding and I would suggest that one I really enjoyed that. Sierra, thank you so much for yeah. uh, coming on here and chatting books with us. We'll thank be you back. Thank so for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll be back next month with another romance yeah. or maybe even fantasy. Who knows? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Red Wine Reads. If you like the show, please give it five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell us why you like the podcast. If you want more book-related content or you want to recommend a book for us to read next, then you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Stay tuned for our Small Sips episode where we do a 10-minute deep dive on a book-related topic. This week, I am exploring the one book I absolutely hated in high school. So, tune in so you can hear what it is. And next Monday, Abby and I will be discussing the thrilling novel, Cold Waters. You won't want to miss it. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Bye, guys. (music) 